Are you tired of ticket fees? Pay the price for your ticket that is advertised and not a penny more. Go to TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Fantastic prices on all sports and concert tickets. Guaranteed seats, no fees. TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. to another episode of Halitech Hall. Good evening, Mr. Halitech. How are you, sir? Aaron, good. Good evening. Um, this, is, uh, this is a tough show <clears throat> for me to do. Um, you know, we've been telling people that there'd be a big announcement today. And, and uh, like I said, this is, this is a tough one for me because in, in May of 19, uh, Aaron, you and I started talking about this opportunity uh, you actually came up with the name Halitech Hall for the show, um, and, but unfortunately, um, due to the the pandemic, uh, it's changed several of our lives. And unfortunately, um, you uh, you you made it clear to me that you uh, you had to leave the show. So this is our last show together, <clears throat> and I want everybody to know. Uh, just how much I appreciate what you've done for this show, how you put this show, help put it on the map, and uh, I love you, man. And it's it's hard to it's going to be hard to say goodbye, but uh, I wish you nothing but the best. And as we move forward with the Halitech Hall show uh, in its new form starting next week, um, live on YouTube, uh, I, I just want you to know that if and when. You'd like to come on the show. You're always welcome. Yeah, man, definitely. Um, you know, it's uh, it's been a pleasure. It's been fun to do, and uh, this is our 72nd episode. So let's go big, like the fridge, and uh, we'll we'll finish it off. And I'm sure uh, you're gonna do a great job on your new show. And uh, you know. I just, uh, you know, there comes a time when you can't be doing a podcast every night off that you have, unfortunately, as much as I would like to, um, with two kids and a new job and everything, uh, just was time to cut back a little bit. So um, it's always going to be fun, and I'm sure I'll come on your new show, and we'll always uh, be in touch on Twitter, and, and hopefully, uh, God willing, all this pandemic crap goes away, and we can uh, share a beer and uh, actually go to a game again. That would be awesome. So. Uh, yeah. On with the show, and uh, you know, onward and upward for uh, for new ventures. Absolutely. Uh, our last episode uh, as a podcast is also the first episode uh, for a gentleman. You know him on Twitter. Uh, you get him in your your email if you subscribe to him. If you haven't, and you're a Bears fan or any type of Chicago sports fan. You need to subscribe to his newsletter. Uh, Kevin Kaduck from the Midway Minute 
Good evening, Kevin. How are you today? Thanks for joining us. Hey, guys. What's going on? Thank you for uh, having me on. It's, uh, Absolutely. It's, our pleasure. Absolutely. Kevin, uh, before we get into the to the Bears, mm -hmm. um, I, I want to talk a little bit about the Chicago sports landscape. Because three months ago, uh, the Chicago sports scene was filled with optimism. The yeah. Bears had, had yet to take a snap because of the pandemic. Uh, but there was a lot of optimism, hoping that this would finally be the year the offense gets going, knowing that the defense is what the defense is. Uh, the Blackhawks squeaked into the playoffs because of the, the, the pandemic and how they adjusted. Uh, the, the Cubs won their division. The Sox made it to the playoffs. Uh, the Bulls were in the process of firing everybody up in, in upper <laughs> management. Uh, so there was room for optimism. Yeah. And now, th you know, 10, 12 weeks later, the, the Cubs fell flat on their face in the playoffs. The White Sox made what everybody thinks is a terrible move uh, with a manager uh, uh, when they released Renteria. Uh, the Bulls are kind of, kind of running in place right now because we don't know what to expect from them. Uh, the Blackhawks, uh, unbeknownst to their star players, announced that they were going to go through a total and complete rebuild, pissing off the likes of Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. Uh, so give us a 35,000 <laughs> foot view of the Chicago sports scene now, because you, you're, you know, it's, it's a perfect opportunity for you uh, because this is this is your stage, Chicago sports, not just sure. yours. Sure, yeah. If anyone wants to follow up uh, on that newsletter, you can sign up for it, midwayminute.win, W-I-N. Um, I think you hit it pretty good um, there. Uh, five or six months ago, it was a much different place. I, I feel like, the you know, the Cubs and Sox, there was optimism, uh, obviously with the Bears, and the one team that everybody was, down on was the Bulls. And now sitting here on November 10th, you know, John Greenberg of the Athletic actually asked us on Twitter today, like, does any Chicago sports team feel good about, you know, about their, uh, you know, about their team right now? And somehow I think that answer is the Bulls because of what they did bringing in Billy Donovan and a completely new front office. And, and then now they're going to be, um, you know, a week from tomorrow night, they're going to be drafting number four in the NBA draft and, and maybe get a difference maker there. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy. Now, obviously, the White Sox are going through a lot of strife and turmoil and controversy right now. Hopefully, when they come back in April, all that will be behind them. But but who knows? Like, who knows who's in that dugout? Who knows if Tony La Russa is there? Who knows how the fans feel about it? They took all the goodwill that they built up over the last two months and just completely flushed down the toilet. And I almost kind of feel like it's it's unfair to say they, because I don't think this was a Rick Hahn or Kenny Williams decision. It was a Jerry Reinsdorf decision. And how could he be that really pig-headed to not listen to his front office or his fans and bring in 76-year-old Tony La Russa um, and then have it to devolve into this whole, oh, by the way, there was another DUI it's just really crazy right now. So uh, you're right. I mean, it's it's kind of a weird time to be a Chicago sports fan, but at the same time, controversy sells, and uh, especially in this town. So it's it's not a bad time to be writing about it either. 
There was a so moment. Kevin... I was just going to say there was a moment uh, maybe two months ago where it seemed that every Chicago team was actually doing fantastically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Cubs were, uh, you know, in the playoffs and headed for the playoffs. The White Sox were headed for the playoffs. The Bears were looking uh, like they were maybe, you know, headed in the right direction. The Blackhawks had 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 a playoff run. The Bulls were retooling their coaching staff and their front office and and uh, I foolishly tweeted about it, and and uh, I'm sorry for jinxing all of it. I apologize. It's clearly, <laughs> it's clearly my fault, and okay. I'll never uh, relish in uh, that type of thing again because I know that it only can be a portent to disaster. So. On we go, onward and upward. So back to uh, the the Chicago Bears world. Uh, an interesting article uh, came out today on sportsmockery.com, um, and I kind of threw this bolt at you guys at the last minute um, earlier today. But a friend of the Halitech Hall show, Eric Lambert, uh, talked about uh, a Bears assistant, uh, the quote unquote, accidentally proves that Matt Nagy is really the problem. I don't know. I hope you guys got a chance to read the article. That's why I wanted, I've sent it out uh, before the show, but it was uh, uh, the Bears tight end coach, Clancy Barone. And he said so to the effect that, that uh, we being the Bears don't have a lot of what he referred to as him routes. So we aren't scheming to get, somebody open based on the matchups. So they're not scheming to get Allen Robinson open. They're not scheming to get Jimmy Graham or, or Darnell Mooney uh, mm-hmm. and, and make that a focus of the game within the game. Uh, it's, it's all scheme uh, and it puts the onus on the quarterback to make the right reads and adjustment every single time. So um, Aaron, Let's have you go first. What did you think of the article? And did it kind of hit the nail on the head on what you were thinking, what you've been thinking over the past several weeks? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've I've been somebody who's defended Nagy a lot. Uh, I think we all kind of went down the rabbit hole where we believed it was Mitch. Uh, not you, not so much as some others, but a lot of people went down the rabbit hole where we believed that most of the problem was Mitch and n- n- it wasn't Nagy and even used Chase Daniels' play as an example of that. But um, I think the rug for me got pulled out from under him in the first game of the season last year that you and I were at at Soldier Field. And um, I just started to see a guy who is so hard headed and cannot adjust and will not adjust and is so convinced that his scheme and his offense is so good that it really doesn't matter who's in and, you know, um, that if he runs these perfect plays, they're just going to work on their own merits. And uh, I think the sequence doesn't matter so much. And the, the down and distance doesn't matter so much. And, and the guy just thinks that he has these great plays. And then you've also seen it where he has consistently been reminded by the Chicago media that, Hey, that guy you drafted Cole Komet, you know, the one that you called RoboCop and the one that you gassed up all off season and that bears PR department went, 
ape on, you know, the hometown kid. It'd be cool if he got on the field and he acts like he's not the guy who's in charge of that. Um, I, I really think that, that Matt Nagy goes into some kind of like uh, gambler trance when he when the game starts and he is just chasing the high of one of his stupid plays working. And he doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know. He's just chasing. And he is a gambler. And he is, I just, I, I, like, I see a guy who, you know, like somebody put up his, uh, they were joking because we had no backup quarterback. And somebody put up his arena league stats where he had, like, you know, has, like, 85 touchdowns in a season. And I'm like, oh, my God, this guy is that. Like, he thinks somehow that he can have that rush of the arena league where every throw is a touchdown, you know, and that's what he's been trying to do with Mitch. And now he thought, Oh, I got full. So my system's going to work. And so, no, it's not a surprise to me at all. Like, I think that this has been unraveling since the middle of 2018, that, that teams have been figuring him out. And now the talent has just crumbled out from under him. So, nothing will work <laughs> you know like so yeah i'm not surprised i mean honestly like i don't think i think matt Nagy looks at the snap counts and goes oh crap at the end of the game like somebody <laughs> should have gotten him in more it's like dude it's you <laughs> so yeah i'm not surprised like he he is he's scuffling right now you know there, there was a time um you know this is his third season but there have been times where matt Nagy has come out and as they actually run a pretty good 10 to 15 first plays, you know, the script that they've worked mm-hmm. on during the week, that doesn't happen anymore. I mean, you I know. can't tell you, I mean, maybe the first drive against the Giants, but that just obviously has not been the case. They, they don't score in the first quarter. They don't score in the third. They scuffle in the second and fourth. Right. Um, it's just been tough. You know, Mike, the the one thing that you, you brought up sports mockery, I thought you were going to bring up, there was another article by Eric Lambert, um, talking about a rumor that maybe the Bears could bring in Sam Darnold next year and and kick the tires on him. Uh, the crazy thing about Sam Darnold is he's still only 23 years old. But mm-hmm. here's the thing. Okay, even if you do believe Sam Darnold is somebody who has potential, what in the world would make you think that Matt Nagy is the guy who's going to unlock that? Name one offensive player over the last three years who has gotten better because he has been coached by Matt Nagy or anyone on his staff? Nobody. That's a yeah. Yeah. I mean, a, I think I think that the defense was has been such a deodorizer for him. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's like the defense has covered up his flaws for so long. And in mm-hmm. 2018, I, I said a while back that the biggest lie Bears fans told to ourselves was that the offense was good in 2018 because it was not good it was okay it was good to us because we as bears fans don't know what good offense actually looks like you know but it wasn't good it's never been good he he has failed to score 20 points in the vast majority of his games and if he just i mean the this team would be like undefeated if they averaged 26 27 points a game like he would be undefeated <laughs> if they just average like 26 at seven points a game. Yeah. See, even if they just had a top 20 defense, Kevin, mm-hmm. um, imagine or a top 20 offense, imagine yeah. where this team would be. They'd, they'd be, you know, 
They well, they, they hell, they they'd be eight and one probably if not if not undefeated. Yeah, and, well, and, it, and it's crazy. Well, anybody wanted Foles to be it in reality, but he really thought, now I got my guy, and I'm going to play this little song and dance and pretend that I'm going to Mitch, but I I can't wait to get to Foles. And, yeah. and what was what was so stupid and clear to everybody is that they literally had two different offenses in place. So they spent the majority of the camp putting in the Mitch high school offense that they were running it was, you know, with like quarterback options and stuff. And then once he got tired of that and realized they couldn't actually score any points doing it, he couldn't wait to get Mitch out of there. And now my biggest fear was, oh, crap, he's going to pull out the full fleet of these stupid plays. And that's exactly what he's done. And Foles is like, oh, my God, I can't like what is this guy doing? And it's clear that they're not on the same page. Like it's just crystal. I, I was, I was never sold on Foles. I mean, even if the offensive line was all pro level, do you really feel like Nick Foles is a quarterback who wins in the NFL right now? You turn off, uh, you know, Sunday's game after watching Foles do what he did. And then you tune into Arizona and Miami and you see what Kyler and Tua did. Um, you see what Joe Burrow does. You see what Russell Wilson does. It's a completely different galaxy than what the Bears quarterbacks are operating in. Now, can Mitch Trubisky maybe go somewhere on another coach and someone unlock the potential with him? I think we're all terrified that's going to happen. I don't know if it will happen. It probably won't happen. But I definitely think there's also a chance because right now Matt Nagy has shown, yeah, he can't get it done with Mitch. He can't get it done with his own guy. So, you know, why wouldn't you at least give Mitch some benefit of the doubt wherever he lands in 2021? One, this the article that we've been talking about uh, from from Eric on SportsMockery.com. Uh, this this paragraph was kind of damning, uh, and and really poignant. Uh, it gets this point across, and he says, and I quote: "Nagy doesn't see talent; he sees chess pieces." He sees gears for the machine. When he puts guys on the field, he automatically assumes they'll do the job asked of them. Why? Because the scheme says it will work. Nagy saw that happen in Kansas City for years, except for there's one problem. Plays that look good on paper don't matter much if the players here, and I'm putting here in there on my own, can't execute the play. And... that therein lies the entire problem, in my opinion. He's he's scheming plays rather than scheming for the talent he has on the field. Yeah, I mean, I think he's not. I think that's overstating it. I don't think Nagy is unaware of talent um, and doesn't doesn't do because I do think he has adjusted to the talent. I I, I know for a fact they changed the offense quite a bit in 2019 to try to get things to work, to try to run the ball. But it's always done begrudgingly. Like, that's the problem is that he doesn't, you know, like, look at the game last night, which wasn't a great game to watch for most of it. But Josh McDaniels repeatedly shows that he can put in an entirely new scheme just for one game. I mean, they did it. 
you know, they've done it time and time again. They changed completely for Cam Newton. And, and you know, even though Cam hasn't played that great, I mean, from, from a Bears fan perspective, I would much rather have Cam here running a power run offense than what we're doing now. I mean, Foles, <laughs> Foles looks like he got slower. You know, yeah. I mean, he looks like Bernie Kosar on Quaaludes. <laughs> like, he is so slow. I've never seen, like, it, when he starts to run, it feels like the entire game goes into slow motion for him. Like, it's it's so brutal. And I, I just, like, it's unbelievable to watch how bad he looks. And, and I think, you know, like I said, no, I don't think anybody thought he was going to be great. You know, I, I was on the record as saying, well, now we got two backups. So let's see who who sucks less. Yep. Yeah, you're def- you're definitely on record because I I remember you saying that on several episodes. You know, I just didn't know that he would throw this many picks. Like I thought he would hit hit some more open receivers than this. And you know, I just think everybody has Nagy figured out. You know, and and the first time that was on display was this season. It's been on display many times in other games, but the Colts game, you know, really just put on display how, how, you know, Nagy's stuff is just figured out. Like it's just completely, you know, on every bathroom wall in the NFL right now. (laughs) Nobody's fooled by his garbage. So so, um, I'm not much on mock drafts, especially until after, after the season is over and after the, the first round of free agency begins, uh, but one of one of the friends of our show, Jacob Infante, is the uh, he's he's the draft guy uh, for Windy City Gridiron, and I, I shot him over an article or that was that came out earlier today on CBS Sports from a guy by the name of Brian Wilson, and uh, he's got a mock out there, and he's got the Bears drafting in the middle of the first round, so which probably is. The way they're going right now is pretty accurate. They're they're drafting 16th, but he's got quarterback coming to the Bears, in it's none other than Zach Wilson from BYU. So uh, so Kevin, I'm going to ask you if you if you follow a lot of mocks early on, what's your thought about the Bears uh, landing a guy like Zach Wilson? Yeah, you know, I haven't been following too many mocks yet. I'm not a year-round draft guy. I'm kind of more the, okay, season's over. Now let's get into it. Um, but I know a lot of people have been talking about Zach Wilson. And, and I, you know, I, I, now it's kind of like, okay, well, maybe I do need to pop in and, and see what he's all about because it does seem like he's going to be the guy who's there after, you know, Trevor Lawrence and um, uh, Justin Fields go off the board. So it'll be interesting, you know, my thing is, I almost feel like this entire draft is like draft nothing but offensive linemen, <laughs> right? And I'm not breaking yeah. any new ground here, but when when you look at the teams who are good year in and year out, it's it's just you know you got to build the skeleton of the team, and we've got half of a skeleton right now, right? We've got we've got a good front seven um, that was you know actually kind of mostly built through free agency and trades. Um, but then on the other side of the line, I mean, other than Cody Whitehair, who's you know a little bit above average, the rest of the guys are just guys, and you can't win in the NFL with that. And 
you certainly can't, you know, that's certainly not sustainable. You're not going to be a Pittsburgh Steelers or Baltimore Ravens where no matter what happens, you're probably going to be, you know, starting out at eight or nine wins. So, and, and you know, then, then going from there. So to me, it's like, okay, yeah, you, you could draft Zach Wilson, but if he's running for his life, like Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles and Jay Cutler and Chase Daniel and whoever else behind, you know, before him, like, what does it matter? Well, the reality, I think at this point is that Foles is here next year. Foles is at least going to be the backup. His contract is really not terrible, but it's also mm-hmm. tough to cut him. And, I, you know, short of maybe convincing Philadelphia to take him back for some weird reason, yeah. uh, I don't think they <laughs> could trade him. And even and even if they were to trade him, it would still cost the Bears about $5 million. So, you know, with the cap going down and Foles is here. So the only reason I'm on board with drafting a quarterback and I don't I don't know if Zach Wilson's going to make it to the middle of the first round with all the hype on him. You know, I yeah. can see some stupid, stupid GM uh, jumping above just, just, you know, fields for him, um, which would be idiotic. But somebody's going to do it just because that's how the draft goes. And, the hot, you know, that's how Mitch, that's how we ended up with Mitch. I mean, <laughs> Mitch became the hot guy. And everybody forgot what Deshaun Watson did, you know, and yeah. we're not willing to believe in the air raid system, you know, and didn't want to buy Mahomes as, you know, as a real NFL quarterback for whatever reason. See, here, here's um, the thing. Here's know. the thing, though. Like, all right, mm-hmm. hot, like if you don't think Matt Nagy is your long term head coach, but you're not going to fire him this year. Do you want another situation where you're bringing in a young quarterback? under a lame deck head coach, much similar to, you know, Trubisky and John Fox, you know, at some point it's like, don't you just maybe, I I don't know bears fans want to hear it, but you know, and rebuilding doesn't exist in the NFL. Like it does in in baseball or NBA or NHL, but at some point it's like, you know, 2021, if you have to punt on it, punt on it, you know, like I'm fine with that. Like get the right things in place, start, start, you know, drafting for, um, you know, just drafting for the future instead of just like saying, okay, well, we're going to br- bring in Zach Wilson. Everything's going to be fine. Right. Well, I just think there happens to be, at least right now, it looks like a lot of quarterbacks in this draft. I mean, you've got sure, sure. Zach Wilson, you've got Matt Jones, you got Trey Lance, you got Justin Do you, do you want, do you want I mean, Ryan Pace making that choice? No. But here's what I will say is that I'm starting to believe that it might be more now you cannot you cannot forgive Pace for what he's done with the offensive line. That's been nearly unforgivable. But I believe he was sold a bunch of garbage by Nagy, who for some reason could not get along with Harry Heastan, who's respected as one of the best offensive line coaches in college football and the pros. So why that didn't work, I don't know. But I'm blaming Matt Nagy now <laughs> for that. As and then. <clears throat> You know, we've got another, you know, we've got another one of Nagy's stupid projects like Bradley Soul and, you know, all his little pet guys that he has and Rashad, who any moron can see cannot play football. And meanwhile, the Notre Dame kids just sit back there and waste away because Nagy hated Heastan and hated the Notre Dame kids, you know. And meanwhile, when the Notre Dame kids, Mustafer and Bars get in there, they actually look like, oh, I don't know. 
they were coached by Harry Eason and played at Notre Dame. <laughs> and then, you know, so like you start to wonder if this guy can't identify talent and has no idea what to do with it because yes, Anthony Miller makes two bad plays for every one sometimes, but you can't tell me that that guy would not absolutely kill it on a real offense with a real quarterback. Like that guy would be like Steve Smith 2.0, you know, be, because he would be featured and he would actually be, you know, used. And so I'm starting to believe that Pace has actually gotten Nagy some pretty good skill position talent. And Nagy and his boy Mike Furry can't do anything with it, like at all. Yeah. <laughs> so, Kevin, on this, uh, the CBS mock draft that I, I was talking about, um, the that's the Bears pick is actually the fifth quarterback to to, to be taken off the board. Wow. I was kind of I was actually kind of shocked to see that. In fact, they've got the uh, the top two picks, the Jets and the Jags, going for quarterbacks with Trevor Lawrence, of course, who's uh, right now the odds-on favorite to be the number one choice overall. Uh, Justin Fields from Ohio State going to Jacksonville with the section second selection. And uh, Washington with the fifth pick going with Mac Jones out of Alabama. So three three quarterbacks in the top five picks is is kind of interesting. I want to piggyback on what Aaron was saying because um, the Bears offensive line coach came out today and really praised Bars for the job he did as a center, saying it's one of the most impressive things he's ever seen as an offensive line coach uh, because he's never played the position before. Uh, so let me ask you this, Kevin, uh, when white hair comes back, mm-hmm. um, do you think moving him to guard and putting bars at center uh, is a solution to, to the problem? Cause maybe at least white hair can block somebody because yeah. coward, coward. Absolutely. He, <laughs> you know, between between him and Ifedi, turnstiles and and a lot of people don't know what a turnstile is anymore. Right. Uh, but but you you know you see them at the at the at the CTA all the time. Uh, you know a turnstile slows people down better than than coward and Ifedi did last week. It, mm-hmm. it was absolutely pathetic. Their blocking, I mean, or lack of blocking. It was absolutely pathetic I, I like, to see. I did like Howard blowing up that play down near the goal line. <laughs> Foles, I forgot who you're supposed to hand the ball to. Was it like Allen Robinson? or I forgot who it was. You, you are playing talking about. Yeah, play, I, I, yeah. I, I remember the play. Yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty entertaining. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm up for whatever whatever experimenting they want to do with that line because it's just not working. And it's like, okay, how – you know, how much worse can it get? Like, yeah. I wanted to see Tyler Bray. I don't even, you know, like, I, I just <laughs> screw it. Like, I, I was, let's Tyler see Bray's anybody. Come on now. But, but why is this guy around? You know, like, why is he still here? Why do they protect him on the practice squad as if anybody would ever pick him up every week? Why? Who is this guy? Like, who, like, I just don't get it. Like, I, the, the whole third, thing for me with Natty is unraveling so quickly. He's a third-string quarterback who's having a good time cashing NFL paycheck. Can't, can't blow that up. I just want to see the kid throw it one time in a real game. Like, why not at this point? Huh. 
It can't be how worse. Many, how many millions of dollars has Chase Daniel uh, received uh, for ne for barely taking any snaps in the NFL? The Bears signed him to a, a crazy contract. Where did where did he go uh, this year? I can't remember, but he uh, in Detroit. You know, he's, he's so he, efforts he, back. You know, so you know they all thought that that he might have to get into the game because. Stafford was on the COVID reserve list, but mm -hmm. he was able to come mm -hmm. off just in time to, to play the game. So speaking of COVID, uh, Kevin, I want, I want to ask you this because no, I post this question on Twitter. Nobody has given me an answer. How in the hell does the Spriggs get <laughs> put on the COVID list? And today he got activated to the active roster less than a week less than a week from his diagnosis of being COVID positive. So either, either, you know, I, I don't know what to, the only, the only explanation I could possibly mm -hmm. say is he received a false positive, but I haven't heard, heard or seen anybody confirm that. Do we know that he, he definitely tested positive or did he just have exposure to somebody else? No, that was, that was the whole gig is, yeah. He tested. You know, that's what was out in Twitter. I can't. Yeah. I can't. I can't verify it, but that's what was out in Twitter that there was a positive test, and the only positive test was was Spriggs, and then Whitehair tested positive a couple of days later. Okay. Yeah, it seems like sometimes the goalposts move on the, on this, I mean, especially in the NFL. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't really kind of understand how the whole thing works. I don't follow it closely because it's just like, yeah, in the in the early days of the pandemic, it was like, oh, yeah, Tom Hanks tested positive. The world stops. And now it's just, you know, it just rolls off your back because at this point we've heard about 20,000 people that we've heard of having COVID. So yeah. um, everything, everything that's going on with, and COVID and the NFL and COVID is 100% to do two things. Protect the revenue on the front end and protect it on the back end from lawsuits. So mm -hmm. they made up this protocol and it, it's totally made up. Like it's under advisement from, from doctors clearly, but it's made up like they, and so they have this protocol in place where a non-symptomatic person can test and be back relatively quickly if they have consecutive negative tests and that's you know so if you even if you get it if you're non if you're non-symptomatic or asymptomatic and then you're able to produce consecutive negative tests i believe you have to, i think you have to be out only a minimum of five days but if you can start putting up consecutive negative tests then you're good like it's because some of these guys it just goes right through them they have it, they don't even get sick, and it goes, and then they don't test positive for it in their back. But but ultimately, like, I really feel like a lot of this stuff is in place, you know, just as like a giant placebo to make, make the players feel safe so that they play so that they can make a bunch of money. <laughs> like, that's all this yeah. is. Like, well, they have no guarantee of, you know, it's like, how long did it take for everybody to actually even start wearing masks on the sidelines? You notice how the last couple of weeks, it's like mask, mask, mask everywhere you look. But mm -hmm. before that, it wasn't. And, and uh, you know, and that's fine. I always thought, well, like, why should they even wear masks on the sidelines? They're literally, like, exchanging fluids on the field. And then they're going to go on the sidelines and wear masks? Like, the, the stupidity 
Like, you know, but it's all a big show. Like, even the reporters are wearing masks when they're talking on the games. Like, it's, you know, and not that, I'm not questioning the validity of COVID or anything like that. I'm just saying that what the NFL is doing is all about money. That's okay. So, you know, and that's hey, fine because hey, I want I, the damn thing. I love to see Gruden get fined. I love to see him lose a draft first. <laughs> So yeah. it, you know it, it is what it is. Hey Kevin, yeah. before before we let you go, I think we've kept you on longer than you said you'd agree we'll talk, to be yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. But because uh, I know you got to get back to, to to writing your column for tomorrow. But the NFL uh, unanimously passed a a contingency plan uh, for the playoffs. It and it's a plan I wish they would have come up with to, to before. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if if there is a, I guess, quote unquote, a meaningful game or two that has to be canceled because we're getting down to the nitty gritty where there are no more bye weeks for mm-hmm. any teams. And the Bears are one of the last teams, along with the Giants, to have a bye week uh, this late in the year in week 11. Right. Uh, they they will open the playoffs to one extra team for a total of eight. Um, I, I think a it's a good move. Mm-hmm. I think b it's a move that they should have done originally when they when the new player agreement was signed because uh, to give just one team a bye week during the playoffs just gives that team. Yeah, I know they're quote unquote rewarding the said team for having the best record in the conference, but it gives them such an unfair advantage to have to play one less game to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, the seven, the seventh game, seven teams seem kind of weird to me. I, I kind of like the eight. Wouldn't you know it? Right now, that that eighth team would be the Chicago Bears. <laughs> I don't know if we really want to go through the pain of watching the Bears, this Bears team, lose a playoff game. But um, at the same time, there's not going to be a lot of sports after that because I mean, I guess the Bulls will be playing by then. But um, we we don't know if the Blackhawks will be back or whatever. So, you know, I'll take another weekend of Bears football if I can get it. There you go. You know, it's interesting you said that because. Uh, when I walk down into my basement, and uh, I'll have to show you pictures of my basement one of these days, uh, I sat here, and I've got I got nothing to watch. My wife is upstairs <laughs> watching The Bachelorette, and uh, so I ended up finding I don't I don't know if it was a live college football game or if it was a replay on ESPN. But I'm action, like, buddy. You know, I was I was thinking to myself. Man, it's hockey season. We, in fact, we not only should hockey season have started two or three weeks ago, but usually the beginning of November is the opening weekend of the NBA. And here we are stuck with nothing but football. I'll take football. You know, I, I'll take football seven days out of the week. But uh, I was like, man, we're we're you know, we we had such an interesting situation in September where we had. We had baseball and we had basketball and we had hockey and the NFL was starting up. We 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 had a sporting event every day of the week and now it's <laughs> like we should be having a sporting event every day of the week and all we've got is football. Well, you're gonna have to get into the Masters in, in November and luckily they have that. So 
<laughs> Speaking of masters, did you see, uh, I can't remember the name, Rom, John Rom, I believe his name is, yeah. on the 16th hole uh, in practice uh, during a practice round today. It was he amazing. Liter- literally skipped the ball over the water. It skipped, what, two or three times. It hit the bank. It bounced up onto the green and rolled and rolled and rolled and rolled and did that U-turn where it slopes back down. Uh, that was the Tiger Woods shot from the opposite side of the green mm-hmm. many, many years ago. And he ends up skipping the ball off the water and getting a hole-in-one. Most crazy shot I've ever seen of any golf tournament ever. It was definitely awesome. Did you see it, Aaron? I think we lost Aaron. So I just saw it on Twitter. Um, yeah, it was definitely like some putt-putt, uh, some drunken putt-putt <laughs> action there. That was, that was, that was great. So, uh, Kevin, tell everybody where you can find you on Twitter, where they can sign up for your newsletter. If sure. you're a Chicago fan, this is absolutely must-read stuff. Sure, yeah. So it's a Midway Minute newsletter. It's a... Uh, a newsletter that kind of sums up uh, you know, what's going on in Chicago sports in the morning. It's quick. It's easy to read. Uh, it's free to sign up. It's at midwayminute.win, W-I-N. And you can follow me on Twitter at Midway Minute. Kevin, thanks for being on our last podcast. Yeah. And, uh, you know, your invitation is open to come on our live show starting next week, coming on anytime. Our first guest on our live show is going to be Lester Wolfong. Uh, so, uh, but anytime, if you got anything important you want to say about the bears and you want, uh, to do it live, feel free to hit me up and I'll be hitting you up several times over the course of the next, uh, year or so. All right. I appreciate it guys. Uh, good luck with that. And I appreciate you having me on tonight. And we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor, ticksblitz.com. I just heard my favorite band is in town. I'd love to get good seats, but everywhere I've looked, the ticket sites have crazy service fees. Haven't you heard of Tick Splits? Who? Tick Splits. They don't gouge you with crazy fees. The price they advertise is the price you pay, plus a small delivery fee. Never pay service fees again. Go to T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com today. TickSplits.com. Guaranteed seats, low prices. That's TickSplits.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. Uh, Ticksplits.com. You can use promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, and save 5% off your entire ticket purchase because, yes, uh, people are now getting into stadiums across the country, whether it's football or uh, college or pro. Uh, So take advantage of the the no-service-fees format on Ticksplits.com and save a ton of money. Uh, again, we want to thank Kevin from uh, from the Midway Minute for coming on our, our last podcast. Uh, then, Aaron, that leads us to this week's game against Minnesota. So, uh, um, what what are your keys to to this game? Aside from the the same old, same old, we got to get the offensive line to actually give uh, you know, open some holes for the running game and to protect. Uh, the quarterback for so he can at least set up in the pocket rather than run for his lives or duck in and get sacked. What are your uh, your keys to the game? I know we've got. Uh, I mean, I think 
Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that, I mean, it's the same kind of as usual. I mean, and that's, you know, the Bears have done very well against the Vikings of late. Um, you know, Matt Nagy is undefeated against the Vikings in his career. So, um, you know, you stop Dalvin Cook and you make Kirk Cousins beat you. And when he does that, you pick him off. <laughs> I mean, that's what they've got to do. And I believe that's what they can do. Um, but what they're going to have to do, and I think that the only chance the Bears have of turning this season around is if the defense starts catching these interceptions because that's again against the Titans you know you had near interceptions that just don't happen and near sacks that just don't happen and they're not getting the game-changing plays and and you know there is no more you know and I think I don't think the defense has ever believed the offense could do it that's why they play so aggressive and they've had so many penalties but that's what they have to do. Like the defense has to score. <laughs> That's the only way they can, the bears can win any games this season. The defense you know, has to score. You can, you can almost count on your fingers uh, and have and count, count on your hand and have fingers left over on any type of uh, offensive, you know, a, a Chicago bears with a decent offense. You go back to 1965, where they actually led the league in passing. Uh, and that was Gail Sayers' rookie year, so go figure. You, you go back to, um, you know, 1995, where Eric Kramer still has what is on record as the, the best passing performance of any Bear quarterback uh, with, uh, with 29 touchdown passes in a year. You can go back to 2006, when, when Rex Grossman was the talk of the town after four weeks in the NFL. The, he was the, the, the odds-on favorite to, to win the MVP award of, of in the NFL. You can go back to 2011 when Jay Cutler was having a phenomenal season and about, what, seven or eight, nine games into the season, they're playing the San Diego Chargers, and he throws an interception, and he goes after the guy, he, he lunges for him. He ends up diving and breaks his thumb, and that spelled disaster for the team. I don't think they won more than one game after that. Uh, you know, you could take Mark Tressman's first year as a head coach, and that offense with this defense is, is a Super Bowl contender. And, and besides that, that, that's all we've got. That's how badly our offense output has been for, I mean, dude, I'm 63 years old. I've been a Bear fan since, since I was in diapers. And I can't remember a, you know, I, 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 from memory, those are the, the only time we've seen any decent type of offensive output forever. Aside from, you know, I missed the 85, of, of course, the Super Bowl team. You know, the Super Bowl team it was decent. They weren't, they weren't record-setting, but they controlled the clock with Walter Payton's running game. They had, you know, McKinnon. They had Willie Galt. They had Emery Moorhead. I think Tim Reitman was on the team. Dennis Gentry was on the team. Calvin Thomas was on the team. So they, they threw running back after running back after running back. 
at you, and it was ceaseless. I think they led the entire league in 1985 with time of possession on offense. So their defense was fresh, and their defense was amazingly dominant. Can you imagine how dominant this defense in 2020 could be if they only had to be on the field for 25 minutes a game? Yeah. I mean, they literally never get off the field. It's so, it's so frustrating. Like the, the, the 50 second drives that, that Matt Nagy and this offense put out, like, and you just talked about the, the horrifying history of bears offense that this team has. And even still this offense is head shoulders worse than some of the worst offenses I've seen as a Bears fan, you know, a, a, a Bears fan who's been paying intense attention for 20 years. I have rarely seen an offense that is more frustrating and horrible to watch than this one. And then well, what's, ha- what's happened this year that's new is the complete disorganization and lack of discipline. It's like, I mean, you know, the the false starts, you know, the the just the garbage that goes on. They the, the can't get the right guys on, on the field. They get a first down and then have to call a timeout. They run a successful fake punt and then have to call a timeout. You know, like, it's just it's just embarrassing. Like, it's embarrassing to watch the Bears play football on offense. And I don't know how the defense has held it together and just not snapped. There, there used to be talk back uh, before the Super Bowl era where the defense would come off the field and look over at the offense and say, hold them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, you know it, that's, that's how crazy it, it has been. And after all is said and done, okay, the Bears now have seven games left in their, their season in the regular season, and they could actually salvage this year with with by sweeping Minnesota, which is not far fetched, because they have swept the Vikings in each of the last two seasons under Matt Nagy. Uh, they have Detroit at home, and they have owned Detroit at home in Nagy's era, and then they can they can beat Houston. You, everybody has beat Houston just about. And same thing with Jacksonville. So believe it or not, they can salvage this season and not even beat Green Bay and still finish 10-6 and six and make the playoffs. But you know they're not going to do anything in the playoffs if they do that. I mean, I used to feel... Now, in the beginning, my, my schedule prediction, my record prediction had this three-game losing streak as a part of it. You know, I knew I had a feeling this was going to happen. I just, you know, didn't think that they were going to hit these games well, and they didn't. I, I mean, I just don't look at the Minnesota games as gimmies anymore, whereas I used to. I mean, I chalked those up immediately as wins, and I just, I just don't know. I mean, let's say that they get – uh, the offensive line back to some semblance, like if let's say Mustafer gets healthy and then, you know, you, you can put Spriggs at tackle and you can put uh, Cody at guard and, you know, bars at the other guard and Leno and that's serviceable. It's better than what you trotted out there, you know, against the Titans. Then maybe, um, 
But I don't think David Montgomery looks like he's going to play. He's got a concussion. Uh, that doesn't look good. And I don't know, man. I just I, like I don't I, I don't feel great about this game. I'd have a hard time picking them to win um, this game because the Vikings are playing well. I mean, Dalvin Cook is running for like 200 yards. You know, like it's crazy. Their defense is horrible, but they're not playing bad at all. Well, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because, but but take a look, okay? You the the same. How how do I put this? You as as poorly and I and I know that a lot of the yards that that Foles put on the board were in the fourth quarter, uh, and people will say it's kind of garbage time and 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 yeah, there's there's a lot to that, but. You know, he, he throws for over 300 yards. He has a quarterback rating of like 93. He throws for two two touchdown passes. Uh, they hold Hen, Henry to 68 yards on the ground. Uh, their their quarterback doesn't throw for over 200 yards. And if you look at if you just look at the stat line, you're thinking the Bears win this game. The Bears, the Bears, why in the God's green earth did the Bears win this game? But, they, you know, obviously they were so bad in the first three quarters that the, the score doesn't ind, indicate how badly the Bears were outplayed uh, because they only they only lost by seven points. They're, they're, a, they're an offside kick away from making this, you know, turning this into one of those miracle finishes again. So it's it's just yeah, but it drives you nuts. It drives you nuts. But at all those those yards and points were absolutely garbage time. And it's funny to me how Nagy was so quick to point out how those were garbage time for Mitch and the Saints, you know. But uh, maybe not so much for Foles, right? You know, because he's desperate to prove something. Like I just. I mean, there was nothing good about that game except for the defense and the defense. You know, like just played their butts off. I mean, to shut the offense down of the Titans like that, it was unbelievable, you know, and um, this defense is just wasted by this offense. This offense is putrid. They are, they look like just a disorganized mess. And if I'm Ryan Pace and I basically, if I want to keep my job and I'm Ryan Pace, I give Nagy one more game and then if he doesn't get it together, I would get rid of him. I would promote Pagano and let DeFlippo and Foles run the show, you know, because at least they're going to get on the same path. The, so we don't – the ones you, you kind of brought – you talked a little bit about this just a minute ago. Uh, with David Montgomery being in concussion protocol – uh, are we going to see Lamar Miller? Are we going to see Artavis Pierce, uh, you know, running the ball? Uh, it's it's going to be, you know, who knows? All of a sudden, like you said, if we get, uh, do we get Whitehair back this week? Do we get, um, you know, we're going to get Spriggs back this week. So you're going to put him at tackle. Get Coward. And we talked about Coward before the season started. I didn't even have him making the team when we went through our 53-man roster. Uh, he shouldn't have made the team. It's he's absolutely weird. been worthless. 
absolutely been worthless. Like I, I, I like I said when when Kevin was on the show earlier, I've seen turnstiles slow down people more effectively than Rashad Coward has lining up at guard. Uh, when you when you throw him out at tackle, he doesn't seem to be as um, ominous, <laughs> as 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 terrible as he mm-hmm. was, but. You know, it's absolutely brutal watching Coward and his um, lack of, of blocking. I mean, he, he falls forward and misses people. Literally, he's got his head down. He goes to block somebody. He's not where he thinks he's supposed to be, and he falls flat on his face. What good does that do? And so why the hell is he even in the lineup? Nobody knows. It's like unbelievable. I just, I like, I, I just, I can't wrap my head around how he could look so terrible, and yet they still keep sending him out there. Like, what are they trying to prove? I, I just, this team is badly coached. I'm sorry. Like, I didn't want to believe it, but this team is badly coached, and it's coming apart. The character and talent that this team has on defense is the only thing that's holding it together. To be quite honest, like it's just a badly coached team at this point in time. And I don't know if it's been how much it's all been made worse by COVID, but you know what? Everybody else is dealing with that too. And the the Bengals beat the snot out of the Titans with Joe Burrow and a makeshift offensive line two weeks ago. So, you know, I don't want to hear it. Like, I don't want to hear about how now he doesn't have good receivers when, you know, uh, the Patriots have some undrafted guy catching 12 balls for 169 yards, you know, last night. Like, I just, I don't, I'm tired of the excuses. I, I, you know, I think they have talent on this team, and I think that this coaching staff can't get it out of them. Yeah, it, yeah, just, it's, it it renders you speechless. It it really, it really does. You know, uh, our last segment on the show today uh, is you know we we've always done um, almost every episode since we debuted back in May. In fact, our first show was all about the the Bears top 100 Bears players uh, as they announced their top 100 list along with the NFL's top 100 players when when our podcast began uh, in in May of of 19. Uh, we've tried to focus a little bit on history for the Bears. And I want to focus on one game. It's probably one of the all-time favorite games that I ever uh, attended in person. Uh, and a lot of people, will. We, we're going to go back to 1977. I know, Aaron, you weren't around. I was but, born in 77, sir. <laughs> so August of 77. So, so well this was November 13th of 1977. So I was a, a wee lad, 3 months old. So sir. Uh, so so everybody in when you go back to the 1977 year, that was Walter Payton's MVP year. Uh he he almost hit 2000 yards and in a couple of things. Number 1 they only played 14 games. That was the last year of the 14-game schedule. 
1978, they went to the 16-game schedule where it's remained until this year. Uh, the Bears, <laughs> ironically, started 3-5 and five in 1977, and they got absolutely embarrassed in Houston uh, when they fell to 3-5. and five. They came back to Chicago. Uh, they had two consecutive home games. Walter Payton ran for 193 yards against Kansas City, and then the week later on November 20th, he had his 275-yard game against the Vikings. The Bears won that Viking game by a meager score of 10-7. to 7. But the week before is the game I want to talk about because I think it was, without question, the most exciting comeback in Bears history, the bit and you know, and of course, it starts with a brutal offense, as most Bears games do. Uh, Bob Avellini was the quarterback, and he was absolutely terrible. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs led at halftime, 17 to nothing. Now, Aaron, this the, you've seen clips from this game. You have seen you have seen the game where Walter Payton goes through the entire Kansas City Chiefs defensive line, bounced off about six guys, in it, only to get tackled from behind at about the four yard line. So I'm sure you've seen that that clip millions of times, right? Yeah, that's the game. This is the game right. we're talking about. Right. Okay, they were trailing 17 to nothing. Uh, they, they clawed back. Peyton scored his third touchdown with just over two minutes to play in the fourth quarter to give the bears a 21 to 20 lead. So the bears had held Kansas city to just three points for the entire second half. Unfortunately, Kansas city went right downfield and scored a touchdown there was like 35 seconds, 45 seconds left to go in the game. They kick off. They squib kicked it, which was a mistake because the Bears ended up getting the ball uh, around the 40-yard line. They had a couple of plays. Robin Earl caught a pass. Uh, Bobby Avellini ends up throwing a 39-yard pass to a wide-open Greg Latta in the end zone. With three seconds left on the clock, they kicked the extra point, which was a challenge because it was a very windy day, and Thomas had missed a couple of field goals already. Uh, so they, they end up winning the game 28-27. to 27. I think it's the greatest comeback in Bears history, bar none, because they came back from a 17 to nothing lead. They took the lead. There were three lead changes in the last two minutes of the game. The Bears took the lead. Kansas City came back, took another lead. And the Bears came back to win the game. Uh, they kicked a squib kick, quick squib kick. Uh, it bounced around. The Bears ended up getting the ball uh, as the clock expired. Uh, but the Bears ended up winning that game 28 to 27. Why it was the greatest comeback in history well, it's self-explanatory because look at you know Walter Payton, 193 yards, three touchdowns. I think he had a, a, a catch or two for another 20 or 30 yards. Um, 
The Bears were three and five. The Bears had been miserable. I mean, absolutely pathetic since 1968. In 1968, they had, all they had to do was beat the Green Bay Packers at home to, to win the division and, and end up going into the playoffs. They missed it by one point because they lost that game to Green Bay, 28 to 27. Minnesota ended up winning the division and ended up going to the Super Bowl that year. That's the closest they had sniffed to the playoffs since then. In 1969, they finished 1-13. and 13. Then there was when we, we endured the Abe Gibran area, era for 72-3-4. And, and then in 1975, Jack Pardee came in and started to turn the, the, the team around. They had guys like Wally Chambers uh, on the defensive line, and they drafted Walter Payton as their first-round draft pick in 1975. And in 1977, Walter had what was his finest year as a Chicago Bear. They started the season three and five. They never lost a game after that. They ended up finishing the season nine and five to make it to the playoffs for the first time since 1963, only to fall to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, but that's what started the Bears' journey to respectability. They fell back in 1976 to 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, They ended up making the playoffs in 79. Uh, Jack Pardee left the team, and Neil Armstrong became the coach for a few years. Then Ditka came in in 1983. 1983 was a strike-filled year. They only played nine games, and they were three and six. Then they were eight and eight, and, and then they went from eight and eight to ten and ten and six in '84, and shocked the entire NFL by making it all the way to the NFC title game. The follow, then there was the 1985 season, which is legendary in Bears lore. But 1977 was the year that started it all. In November 13th of 1977 was the greatest comeback in Bears history. Peyton ran for over 190 yards and three touchdowns, keyed that victory, and the rest was history in 1977. So that was our last history segment of the Halitech Hall podcast era. Uh, you can join uh, my new co-host, Ivan Vargas, and me, Next Wednesday at 7 o'clock Central Time, our first guest will be the best guest of the Halitech Hall Show. He's been on more often than any other guest. Lester Wilfong from Windy City Gridiron will be our first guest on the new live broadcast. And you can catch us on YouTube, on the Sports Zone channel, uh, Sports Zone Chicago channel. You can catch us live on Facebook on the Sports Zone Chicago page, and you can catch us live on the Facebook Halitech Hall page. So just look to facebook.com slash Halitech Hall, and uh, you can now catch us live uh, every, every week going forward. That said, Aaron, uh, I love you, man. If it weren't for you, Halitech Hall 
never would have gotten off the ground. So I, I will be, be forever in your debt for giving us this forum. And I wish you nothing but the best uh, with your new gig. Um, and of course, any podcast that you're, are you still doing the, the tailgate show? Yeah, I'm still doing that. Are you doing anything else uh, by, by podcast? Nope, nothing at all. <laughs> I am uh, I'm pulling back from that arena. Uh, so so uh, no. Make sure make sure you listen to the tailgate show uh, on Podbean, on Apple Podcast, and uh, Aaron. I will never forget the the venue that you've given this show, and I will be forever in your debt. Yeah, it's been fun. I've learned a lot. Um, definitely been a great time uh, getting to know more about Bears history uh, by doing this show. And, uh, you know, we had uh, we had a good time and we had some good guests and it was definitely, uh, you know, something I enjoyed. And I'm sure that uh, you're going to go on and continue to do well with uh, your next venture. Um, and, uh, you know, like I said, we'll be getting together soon. Uh, so thanks everybody for listening to the show. Thanks for the support that we got. And, uh, please continue to, uh, support, uh, Mr. Halitech himself as he moves on to, uh, his next venture. And, uh, I'm sure you'll be hearing lots from, uh, that and from Tick Splits as well. Thanks everybody. Bear down. <laughs> <laughs>